Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I am um, going to start our message off today with two words, extraordinary and extravagant. And I want you to ask yourself this question, what do these two words have in common? And what I want you to, to grasp today, and the reason I'm teaching this message today, is for us to come to an understanding and settle for, with, for all of eternity in our hearts the fact that God loves us extraordinarily and that he gives to us extravagantly. Those are the two things that define the nature of God, I think, the best. Now, look at that word extraordinary. It's, it's made up of two different words, extra and ordinary. Extra means over the top, way above, superior, beyond the usual. Ordinary means common, average, everyday run-of-the-mill. Now, God's love is not your ordinary, everyday, average love. God's love is much more impacting. God's love is much more far-reaching. God's love is inexhaustible. Human love is reactive. I want, you to, I want you to just focus in for a minute here. I want you to see the difference between the two. You see, every one of us, whether we're born again, not born again, believers in Christ, followers, not followers, every human being has the capacity for human love. But not every human being has the capacity for extraordinary love. Are you, are you following me? Yes. Human love is reactive. Have you ever met somebody and you just connected with them? You walked away. You don't know anything about them. They could, be a, they could have been involved in a chainsaw massacre. They could be a serial killer. But you walked away and you go, I really liked, I really love that guy. That guy's... <laughs> and, and then you find out later. What happened? You reacted to something that that person either did or something that that person said. Right? Human love is very reactive. It's responsive. It reacts to an incentive. God's love is the complete opposite. Human's love is, is like this, um, especially for this time of year we're in. So we, we, you start putting your list together for Christmas. Who are you going to buy for? And you go, oh, I really need to buy a gift for so-and-so because, you know, they gave me a really nice gift last year. <laughs> so, you know, and I felt really stupid because they gave me a really good gift and I gave them like this little, you know, $10 Wawa gift card and they gave me this awesome gift. And so now this year, you're going to do what? You're going to raise the bar on your giving, why? Because you're reacting to something that was already done. Um, I'll show you affection because you were nice to me. Okay? Couples. <laughs> so now, now the guy comes home at night and he's got an expectation of an even higher level of affection. Why? Because um, he brought dinner home, or he brought flowers home, or he offered to wash the dishes, or he vacuumed the rug, he folded the clothes, he put the kids to bed. So by the time the kids are in bed, now he comes out like, <laughs> I'm ready for a higher level of affection. Are you following me? Do I have to get into details here? You understand what I'm saying? You see, but it's reactive. And so there's a response that is expected. Because after all, this is what I did, so now you should do this. It's reactive. God's love 
is completely opposite. John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says this. He loves, we love him because he what? First loved us. He first loved us. So, so we, the only way we know how to respond is in connection to that love that we experience him. But watch this now. God has never been sitting around and saying to the angels, you know what? I'll, I'll show them some love when they love me. I'll send a savior when they deserve it. I'll shower them with my grace when they show me that they're worth it. That conversation has never taken place. Those words are not even in his vocabulary. His love has been settled forever. His commitment to us has been settled forever. And it's an extraordinary, that's an extraordinary love. How many times have we been involved in conversations with individuals, say, especially as parents? parents? Sometimes as parents, you see things in your, your children's choices that they don't see because they're making emotional choices. And you, you know, in your heart, you're not thinking to be good. This is not good. They shouldn't be with that person, this person, the other And yet they chase after them. And you almost want to say, what are you chasing after that person? Don't you see that they don't care for you? They don't love you? They don't. But, but, but you see what I'm saying? It's a reactive. We're trying to guard them. We're trying to protect them. But God doesn't do that. God chases after the degenerate, the, 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 the addict, the, the whatever, the, the one who doesn't want to be bothered. I'll give you an example of the extraordinary love of God. Let me give you, let me give you a, a scenario here, okay? I want us to put ourselves at the Last Supper. Jesus is there. The disciples are there. You remember the, the Michelangelo painting? Okay. It was Michelangelo, right? It wasn't Leonardo da Vinci. Who was it? One of those guys. Was it Leonardo? Okay, it was Leighton Arnold. All right, so we'll credit him. So you remember the picture. You know, everybody on this side of the table, so we'll take your picture. Um, Jesus is there. The disciples are there. There were probably some of the women there, too, helping them prepare things. You imagine how awkward it would have been in that, in that, in that scenario. He knows that Judas is going to betray him. He knows. The disciples are like, something's weird here tonight. There's a weird vibe in the room. They don't know exactly what's going on, but they know something's wrong. And they're, they're, you know, Jesus has already said, one of you guys are going to betray me tonight. And so what happens here? Now, if we were there, what happened next would have just went, because it's not part of our culture. But Jesus, in the midst of this whole thing, takes a piece of bread and dips it in what the King James Bible calls the sop. Why would you want to eat anything that's called sop? It doesn't even sound appetizing. But it, it was, must have been some type of like, if you've ever been to a restaurant and ordered prime rim, they'll bring you a little container of what they call au jus, which is the drippings from when the meat was roasted. So they're having lamb, so it's probably the drippings from this lamb roasted. And, and they bring it here, and Jesus takes a piece of bread, dips it in this thing, and then presents it to Judas. Now, if you and I, we would have went, ah, oh, that's nice. But when he did that, everybody at the table understood what he just did. See, in their custom of the time, when you take that piece of bread and dip it in what's considered the prized thing at the table, and you hand it to this person, you have just declared in front of everyone else, this person is the guest of honor tonight. The man who just sold you for 30 pieces of silver. The man who's going to... As a, give a kiss as a signal to your executioners, this is the one that has to die. 
Could you imagine? Many, we just came off of Thanksgiving, right? You imagine, have you ever been at an awkward Thanksgiving? And you're sitting there, you can't say anything because you don't want to rock the boat, you know, you got all your family members around, but you know that that person across the table has got it in for you, and they've been talking about you all year. <laughs> Are you going to be the one to say, no, no, you take the gravy first. No, no, you take the mashed potatoes where all the butter is on top. No, you take that first. No, you're like, I don't care if you get bones tonight to eat. (laughs) But Jesus showed extraordinary love towards Judas. And what was he saying? What was the the message he's telling? What was he saying to Judas? Judas, I know that somebody has to betray me, but I wish it was not you. I wish it was a stranger. I wish it was someone I didn't know. I wish it wasn't someone that I have invested in all these years. That's extraordinary love. That is uncommon love. That is love that is above the normal. You say, well, yeah, that's Jesus. No, no, you have that same capacity within you. Because when you said, Jesus Christ, come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior, his Holy Spirit came and lived inside you. And according to Romans chapter 5, it tells us that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. You and I have the capacity to walk in and live in that same extraordinary love. Are you listening to me? This famous Christian pastor, Francis Chan, said this, isn't it a comfort to worship a God we cannot exaggerate? Do you realize you can't exaggerate about God? You cannot exaggerate about God. No matter what you say, no matter how big you make him, no matter how miraculous, no matter how spectacular, no matter how wonderful, no matter how, how, how far-reaching, you can never exaggerate because just when you think you've experienced the ultimate love of God, you find out that you've just scratched the surface. You know when that normally happens? It normally happens in two scenarios. One, either you've been attacked physically in your body or your finances have been attacked, your family's attacked, your marriage, whatever, and it seems like everything is collapsing and then the love of God just pours through. The grace of God comes and strengthens you. Or when you've sinned and you have to confront your sin. And you're at that place where you realize, oh my God, I can't believe I did it again. Of course, none of you in here probably have ever experienced this. But when you get to that place, you realize, I did it again. I can't believe it. And then the enemy comes and goes, yeah, that's it. You stepped over the line this time. You can't come back anymore. He's never going to be able to forgive you for this one. And then, and then you press in and you go, you go no, God, I'm pouring my heart out to you. I am sorry. I recognize what I've done. I realize what I've done. And I am so sorry. And you've promised in your word that if I would confess my sins, you are faithful and just not only to forgive me, but to cleanse me from all this garbage in my life. And then all of a sudden, the grace of God just shines through like when the sun, sh- sun parts these storm clouds and you see that, that shaft of light that comes through the sky and it just the grace of God just hits you and you realize on the inside, I am forgiven. He still does love me. And so you've reached a deeper, richer level of love that you hadn't tapped into before. You can't exaggerate the extraordinary love of God. You can't exaggerate the extravagance of the nature of God. He is an extravagant God. You don't believe that? Just look at nature, and our nature that we can look at today doesn't even resemble what the planet looked like when he first created it. 
spectacular. It's spectacular as it is now in its fallen nature. Imagine how extravagant it looked like in its original form. You know, Christmas speaks of God who demonstrated his extraordinary love by coming to earth in the form of his son, Jesus. Fully God, 100% God, 100% man. And this 100% God, 100% man would suffer and die and be resurrected. And watch this. For people who, for the most part, would reject him. That's extraordinary love. That's an extravagant gift. Came to this earth knowing what he was going to suffer, knowing the humiliation. But look at God the Father, how extravagant his gift is. He sent the one and only son he'd ever have to an earth, to a planet that would reject him, that would humiliate him, individuals that would torture him, torment him, murder him, blaspheme his, his name. That's extraordinary love. That's extravagant giver. And Christmas speaks of extravagance. Grace, so rich that it can't be exhausted. Grace that takes us from darkness into the light. Grace that empowers us to stand, resisting sin, accomplishing the impossible. Christmas speaks of extravagance. You go to the mall and the decorations are extravagant. You go stand behind somebody in line and, and you see the, the shopping. It's, it's extravagant. If you don't believe that Christmas is extravagant, then you come to my house a week before Christmas and help us wrap the gifts that my wife bought. When you've got four sons and nine grandsons, the list just goes on and on and on. I've asked them, well, please, stop having kids for a couple of years. Give us a chance to catch up. Extravagance, extravagance. That's what it's all about. Okay, now listen to me. I want to say this to you with a very transparent and very honest heart. I know 25 years ago, if I sat where you're sitting right now and heard the pastor talk about that kind of extravagance, it would have hurt. Why? Because we didn't have two nickels to rub together back then. But listen to me, extravagance has nothing to do with amount. Extravagance has to do with the quality of your heart. You can be extravagant with what you have. Jesus talked about a woman in Mark chapter 12. If we can put that scripture up there, please. Watch this now. Look at me very closely with this because, oh man, that first phrase there. We could have a week-long seminar on the nature of Jesus. Look at this. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. Doesn't say Jesus was walking by. It doesn't say Jesus just caught a glimpse. It doesn't say he glanced at. It says he sat down. Where? Near the collection box in the temple, the place where all the money was coming in, all the gifts, all the envelopes, all the credit cards, everything. He sat down purposely in that spot. And many people entertain this religious brainwashed mindset. God doesn't care about our giving. He sat there to take notice of who was giving what. Our giving is noticed in heaven. The attitude you have about your money, the attitude you have about your possessions, Jesus takes notice. He purposely sat there to watch this. Now watch, watch what happened. And watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Next verse, please. Many rich people put in large amounts. Sure, if you're a rich person, you can't put in a large amount. Then a poor widow came and dropped in what? Two small coins. Now, we know from history that these two coins are called lepton. They're the smallest coins in the Roman currency. They're like today we would say a penny. Now, if you've got $10 million in the bank and you come and you write out a check for $10,000, yeah, that $10,000 is a big figure, but in proportion to what you have, it's not a big deal. You spend that on lunch. But 
This woman, she gave 100%. She gave everything he had. Let's go to the next verse. Jesus called his disciples. Now he's watching everything. Now he calls his disciples. And we go around saying, you know, our giving is very private. It should be just between us and God. Jesus is going, come here, come here, look at this. Come here, look at this. Look what this lady's doing. And he said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making, say that word with me, contributions. That's all they were making was contributions. Yeah. 10 million in bank. Oh, 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 you need something? Yeah, sure, come here. Let me write you out a check. Big shot. Yeah, when you start, when you start adding zeros, then I'll start getting impressed. For those individuals that had, had the millions, for them to give away, and you know darn well that they made a big, some of them would make big, big, big show of their giving and, and, and make sure that everybody knew about it. Jesus calls over to disciples. I tell you, shoot, this poor widow has given more than others who are making contributions. Now watch this now. They were making contributions. I want you to listen to this and take this to heart. They were making contributions. The woman was making a statement. She was saying, with these two coins, I am entrusting my entire future to you. Here it is. And Jesus took notice of it. And for all of eternity, because the word of God is settled forever in the heavens, for all of eternity, what that woman did is going to be talked about. Are you listening to me? Fall of 1990. Our house had just gone into foreclosure. Now, when your house goes into foreclosure and you're single, it's an inconvenience. When your house goes into foreclosure and it's a husband and wife, it might put a strain on a marriage. But when your house goes into foreclosure and it's you and your wife and four kids and they're little kids, it's a serious issue. We had scraped together whatever money we could out of the business before the business closed. Less than, I think, $3,000. Why? Well, we're going to have to move someplace. They're going to foreclose on the house. They're going to put a sheriff's sale. We're going to get evicted. We've got to have at least the first month's rent and a month they have security. I'm, maybe going to show, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on how many in this place have been in that position. You know what I'm talking about. It can get scary. So we scraped all this money together and said, look, at least we know if, if they throw us out tomorrow, we, got, we have money to go somewhere. So I had taken this money and put it in a little brown paper bag and I shoved it in an old microwave, and I made sure the microwave was unplugged, so God forbid somebody should. <laughs> I said, okay, okay, we got this money put aside. So we, we are security. security. We go to church this Sunday, and the pastor announces a building fund, building campaign. We're gonna build a new building, okay? And he asked the congregation to please consider every family given such and such amount. Guess how much it was? The same amount that's in the brown paper bag. As soon as he talked about it, I knew on the inside, we have to do this. We've got to do this. Okay, I turned to my wife and said to her, we have to do this. She said, yeah. She said, always supported me in those decisions. We've always had this thing where she knew already anyway. So, we didn't tell anyone. Why? Because the first thing people would have said in the natural was, are you an idiot? You've got four kids. And we would have heard the typical, like you hear sometimes, and maybe some of you say, you're going to give that money to that church when you got four kids to take care of? But the thing was this. We weren't making a contribution. We were making a statement. What were we saying? Our future is in your hands. If we stand, we stand because of you. If we fall, we fall because of you. Here it is. 
Here it is. That was 1990. We went through 1990, we're still in the house. 91, still in the house. 92, still in the house. 93, still in the house. No mortgage payments. Bank's not even, not even sending us letters. Okay? It wasn't until the fall of 94, October of 94, when I had already started my second business, when it wasn't doing good enough to be able to pay me a salary and so I could afford the rent and afford the security, afford everything. That's when the house went into 100% foreclosure. I am standing before you as a complete, completely confident of this. Had we not taken that step of faith, we would have been out of the house within a couple of months back in 1990. Four years without having to make a mortgage payment. During those four years, it gave us the time to get some money put together, be able to open up another business, get that business up and running, and then the house went into sheriff's sale. You're listening to me. What happened here? We weren't making a contribution. I wasn't giving. We weren't giving a contribution to the church. We were giving and making a statement to Almighty God. We are giving this recklessly and extravagantly. Now listen to me. I'm going to balance this out. I am not standing here telling you, I am not a proponent that every single offering, you should do that. You only do that when God is speaking to you, and God was speaking to us, because God knew what was coming over the next four years. You don't know what's coming next week. He always sets us up and gives us opportunities to demonstrate our faith in an extravagant way because he has an extravagant gift coming towards you. Are you listening to me? I am not here saying that you should be taking bread out of your kids' mouths. I've seen families do that to try to gain favor with the leadership of the church and their children suffer for it and the children turn away from God and don't serve God. Why? Because they saw that their new sneakers went to the church. Their bread on the table went to the church. Their whatever, their extra money went to the church every single week. I'm not telling you to do that. The Bible tells us that God gives seed to the sower and bread to eat. You eat your bread, you sow your seed. You don't eat your seed. And you don't give your bread unless God tells you to. That was an isolated incident that's happened a number of times throughout the years. But you only do that in obedience to God speaking that to you. Now, there are some places that tell you, you got to do it every week. You got to give your steak, whatever, take whatever, take whatever, take whatever. No, you don't do that. God never requires that. God is a God of balance. God is a God of love. He's not going to put your children in a position where they don't have their needs met. Now, if you'll believe God, he'll supply what you need so that you can give. Are you listening to me? We are called to exemplify and to imitate that kind of extraordinary, extravagant, not extraordinary love and extravagant giving. Extravagant. Are you listening to me? Now, this is the nature that we're called to. This is the thing that God has not only called us to do, but he's also empowered us to do. You have the ability to do it. And listen, if God's asking you to do something, that means that it's up to him to give you the ability to participate in that. And again, we've had plenty of situations where we knew God wanted us to bless someone or do something or, or, or sow into somebody's life. He'll supply it. Amen? Amen. Now, are you going to supply the faith? Let me ask you this question, and be honest with yourself. Don't raise your hand. Don't answer out loud. I just want you to be introspective today about this particular thing that I'm going to say. 
Is your love making a statement or is it just a contribution? Is your giving making a statement or is it just a contribution? If you have an eyedropper mentality, you're only making a contribution. You're not making a statement. A couple of nights ago, we went out to eat someplace. We were out late, and rather than go home and cook, I just said, let's just stop someplace and get something to eat. Well, needless to say, it was a milestone in our lives. It was probably the worst meal we've ever had. <laughs> the waitress was untrained. She was just, you know, she, she hadn't been waitressing for a number of years. She's back in the thing. We felt bad for a poor girl. You know, she was almost in tears because she realized she really messed up the order. And then the cooks in the, in, the, in the kitchen helped her mess it up even more by just serving a, a literal slop. Okay, it was horrible. But, but I'm there, and I'm human just like you, and I'm sitting there going, I'm not giving this girl a dime. <laughs> this service is terrible. The food is horrible. In fact, I don't even want to pay for this bill. In fact, you know what? Call the cook and tell him, you're going to need to pay me to eat this stuff. <laughs> so I sat there, and I struggled. And then you get that thing on the inside where you come, oh, holy ghost, why don't you leave me alone? Is this how I would treat you? And is your giving going to make a statement? Are you just going to give a tip or are you going to make a statement? So the bill was what, 26 bucks? Whatever it was. So I'm like, all right. I'm not going to give her the usual six bucks. I'm, just, I'm, I'm like, I, I could feel like, like I'm pulling a 20 out of my heart, like, and I'm like, slap it down on the table, let's get out of here now before I change my mind. Why? Our giving is supposed to make a statement. We're not just contributors. We are co-laborers together with God. Is your love extraordinary? Is your giving extravagant? Or are you just making contributions? What, is your, what are you going to be known for? What is your reputation? You know darn well when you walk in these restaurants, especially ones that you frequent, you can tell, you can tell. When, when you see when waiters and waitresses are falling all over somebody, you go, they know these people, and they know how they tip. By the same token, you also know. They didn't even fill the cup of coffee for this one here. They must know what they're like. Is that how we are with all the relationships in our life? Is that what we're known like? Because people are going to know us for two things. Jesus said, by the love that you have one for another, will all men know that you're my disciples. Is your love making a statement or are you just making a contribution? Is your giving like that poor widow? She wasn't making a contribution. She was making a declaration. My life is in your hands hands. Years ago, I read a story about an older woman. She was old, up in age, almost blind. She lived in a little cottage. Between paying the utilities and paying medical bills, there was very little money left for food. So she just got by on scraps. And her next-door neighbor knew, knew the situation. And just got a tug in her heart to go to the supermarket and just fill up a whole shopping cart full of food and, and just bring it to this lady's house. 
So she got it together, packed up a bunch of bags, four, five, six bags full of all kinds of fresh fruit, vegetables, meat, poultry, eggs, milk, everything that she knew this lady could need. She got back to the house, pulled in the driveway, started bringing the bags over, tapped on the door, no answer. She looks through the window and she sees this lady sleeping on the couch. Doors open. So she sneaks in and she's tiptoeing, bringing the bags of groceries into the kitchen. At this point, the woman wakes up and between being half asleep and half blind, she peers into the other room and she says, is that you, Jesus? Listen to me, church. We never look more like Jesus than when we give extravagantly. Last year, this church continued to love extraordinarily and to give extravagantly. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.